0: This
1: is the
2: Video Jumpyard Podcast. We are here.
0: A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. It's a lion. It's a lion. It's a lion. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all part of Bubblegum.
1: From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-eight, with the strength of twenty demons. It's
2: time. And welcome back to another episode of the Video Junk Air Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. With me as always, my very good friend and co-host, Eric L. Branson.
1: How's it going? It's going good. No complaints, really? uh, yeah, started school, and everything's been, uh, I'm taking like one less class than I did last semester, and already that's been like a huge difference. Like, I don't immediately feel like totally stressed out, so I'm sure I will eventually get totally stressed out. I mean, it's got bound to happen, but it seems like yep. the load's a little lighter this time around, which is good.
2: Nice. Nice, and since this isn't your first semester back, how does it feel kind of returning to school, but now now it's becoming a little more routine
1: yeah it was it was a lot easier this time around (laughs) like the first time yeah going back like after you know I started in it was fall of 2022 which was 20 years basically to the day from the first time I stepped onto the college campus in 2002 so um yeah it was uh weird I as much as you you like to think like you don't really care what other people think it's a little weird being the old person, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but now yeah, I'm finally—I I'm gotta say—I'm over that. But like, that's—I'm still always very aware of that. But like, yeah, the the nerves are gone pretty much. I'm I'm fine with it. <laughs> but,
2: that's cool. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's interesting hearing your perspective of that because I have you know occasionally get students that are our age, mm-hmm. you know, or yeah. older that are in my class and there's there's there ends up being a different kind of level of discussion you know like a repertoire um but i've also had some of them like be really good students and some of them be really terrible so it it just kinda, yeah i mean it's just like they're like anybody else at the end I was of the day say, at the end of the day uh, people are people right And they're right gonna be good and bad and yeah yeah so, so it's it's just interesting to hear that perspective i occasionally get like we call it the (laughs) non-traditional student who yeah you know just to for that that vague phrase um you know we usually have the thing like are they the ones that automatically think that you're their buddy because you know you're closer in age? and like yeah you get that occasionally yeah 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 i I don't think i'm that person but that's a I hope not <laughs> This is it's also interesting hearing about people going back to, to classes because I'm on sabbatical this semester so I'm focusing <laughs> on a research project so I don't actually have to worry about classes for the first time in a very long time and it feels yeah. really nice <laughs> that's got to be a nice feeling like, yeah he compared it to, to a
1: short-term retirement earlier and i think that's yeah
2: there's there's i think the just only in the context where it takes that moment to settle in (laughs) yeah you know like you you, when people first retire like i don't know what to do with myself and when the first you know couple of days on sabbatical you're like i don't know what to do with myself and they're like okay well you better get your shit together though so (laughs) yeah i'm sure once you settle into to to the
1: the research and like working on the project you're you're not gonna feel like you're (laughs) have no. a lot of free time anymore but
2: no there's going to be some travel coming up and then it's going to be a lot of data analysis and learning some new techniques that i'm not real familiar with so you know it's it's not because there is going to be a report that's due at the end of all of this you know you don't get to you don't get to just do the sabbatical every six it's years that, automatically it's not a vacation, no matter it's, what it's pe- not, other people say yeah. no it's it's when um it's when academics can feel slightly less guilty about taking a vacation for that like okay. day and a half, you know, <laughs> where you keep it real short, but you know, you can you can feel good for a little bit. That's that's the whole purpose. Yeah. But but no, it's going to be nice. It's actually going to be nice to kind of focus back on research for a little bit. Um and I don't know, this is going to be a really lame segue because we're going to be able to, you know, talk about so many other current events with this movie, but um one of the last times i actually felt like this okay i have to focus on research to this level was around the time that the movie that we're watching came out <laughs> so it's re-watching it's this was really interesting <laughs> just in the yeah. way that scheduling and stuff worked out so um tonight we are reached yeah oh, i'm sorry. That point of
1: old no i was just gonna say I've officially reached that point of old where like stuff feels like it's kind of new and then i look at the year when it was made and it's like oh that's that's not even kind of new anymore this is getting kind of like to be a classic movie at this point or whatever you would call it but yeah yep,
2: old Yeah. (laughs) yeah that one did hit me too um but i guess without further ado tonight we are going to be discussing the 2005 american crime drama film lord of war
0: There are over 550 million firearms in worldwide circulation. That's one firearm for every 12 people on the planet. The only question is, how do we arm the other 11? Selling guns is like selling vacuum cleaners. You make calls, pound the pavement. I supplied every army but the Salvation Army. Can you bring me the gun of Rambo? Part one, two, or three. I've only seen part one. By the mid-80s, my weapons were represented in eight of the world's top ten war zones. Damn, you are good. You get rich by giving the poorest people on the planet the means to continue killing each other. Guys, guys, guys! Say what you like about warlords and dictators. They always pay their bills on time. I would tell you to go to hell, but I think you're already there. I want the money. This is your thing? I'm in transport. That's what I want. She doesn't know how you pay for all this. We don't talk about it. How many car salesmen talk about their work? I'm not saying I didn't have setbacks. There are men going through our garbage cans. Is there anything I should be worried about? No, nothing. The first and most important rule of gun running is never get shot with your own merchandise. Is everything okay? Rough day at the office. With the Bureau of Alcohol, oh. Tobacco, and Firearms? Oh, my I guess mean, this isn't about the alcohol or the tobacco. So there's a will, there's a weapon. You know, they call me the Lord of War. But perhaps it is you? It's Warlord. Thank you, but I prefer it, Mary. Is this how you want to be remembered? I don't want to be remembered at all.
2: One is written, produced, and directed by Andrew Nichol, and is co-produced and stars Nicholas Cage. Um, give you a brief synopsis: Cage plays a fictional illegal arms dealer inspired by the stories of several real arms, uh, real-life arms dealers and smugglers, primarily Victor Bout. Um, the film was officially endorsed by the human rights group Amnesty International for highlighting the issue of illicit arms, illicit arms trafficking by the international arms industry. So it's. Um, relevant because of you know in the news you've might have been hearing about victor Bout recently yes um A recently freed man so yeah and this was because of the uh, uh britney granger case so we had him, yeah you know, prisoner exchange for yeah yeah and gosh this it's it's unfortunate that this movie gets you know brought up again right now in in 2023 because of that and especially for you know that very reason yeah that that bout was released yeah and it's don't want to get
1: necessarily like political about it but it's i don't know i i have some complex feelings about it like i i I don't think it's it's a good thing that she's out of that situation right i'm happy about that like i'm I'm not like some of the people that are just, like, furiously pissed off about this whole thing. It's like, you, at the end of the day, I think we've got to do what we got to do. But it's still a
2: bit kind of frightening that that was yeah. what we had to do. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it has nothing to do, in my opinion, with, with Brittany Granger. It's the yeah. fact that, wow, we were we were willing to negotiate this guy mm-hmm. to go free. I um, do you know. Yes, I'm passing some judgment already, but yeah, I, that that's pretty disturbing. Um, yeah. So yeah, this uh, what what's your history with Lord of War?
1: Um, I saw Lord of War. I can't remember if I saw this in movie theaters or not. I want to say not. I think I saw it on video shortly after it came out. Um, and really thought it was pretty good. Like uh, I thought it was. <laughs> And, and I was already a bit of a, a, a Nick Cage fan, not not in the way that I am now, I don't think, because he hadn't quite gotten that. I, I don't know when it, when it was that I realized that Nicolas Cage was something special as an actor, That but I wasn't quite there yet. I, I, I really liked him in some roles and then others um, not so much. But uh, I, I honestly saw this as like a kind of coming back, I thought I honestly thought this was going to be trajectory to him. Turns out it, it wasn't that way. He kind of like bottomed out after this for a little while. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I remember liking it quite a bit and thinking it was kind of uh, better than expected based on the way it was promoted. Uh, drama about you know guns, mm-hmm. the arms dealer. Like it's um, it really kind of like looks the issue right in the face. And the interesting thing about it is it looks the issue in the face through using an arms dealer as, the, like, your narrator and, you know, your, uh, the protagonist of the film. So, uh, yeah, interesting approach to it. It was, uh, I didn't, and I, I don't want to review it yet now, but I, I do remember liking it quite a bit, and uh, I was happy when you brought it, brought it up as something to revisit because I hadn't seen it in a long time. I can't remember if I ever even saw it a second time. I think I only saw it the one time I saw it, so...
2: Yeah, this is, I remember um, my wife and I went and saw this, well, I guess it would have been just Beyonce at the time, but uh, when it came out in theaters, and I liked it enough where I actually got it as a DVD. Um, So I actually had this one on home video. This was one I watched quite a few times during a certain period of time uh, because it was a fascinating topic. Uh, But this was also the new entry in a series of films that kind of came out in the early 2000s you know the late 90s movies like blow or even before that you know goodfellas like this let's give you a tour yeah. of this kind of seedy you know it's, black market it's a or underground
1: biopic thing. but like not about somebody that you admire it's kind of like a <laughs> I
0: i yeah. know you what you call yeah, that yeah that those are the
1: exact it's kind of like I was crime, trying to think you know even if yeah, it
2: wasn't yeah based on, you know, even if it wasn't based exactly on one particular case. It's the same reason why Law & Order shows are, are popular, because they're modeled after something real. But it's your peak, you know, peak under the hood of, of this whole other side. So I can see why they're, they're popular. It's just it's interesting how they were packaged during this this period of time, because this one really reminds me a lot of the Johnny Depp film, Blow. Yeah, uh, just I in the it, way that that's it's, it's the one paced.
1: because in their contemporary films like i don't remember what year blow came out but it was somewhere in the same like yeah. vicinity of time but yeah 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 certain yeah and, and i think goodfellas is a good
2: another good example like i think there's some similarities here to that as well but yeah and uh you're right though and i hadn't really pieced that together but this is before nicholas cage got weird <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, guess for lack of a better term. I think know?
1: perhaps we just didn't realize it yet, but like, yeah, it's, um, yeah, because he was he was primarily known as like a, a dramatic actor. You know, he came up kind of some quirky cult films early, like real early in his career. But then, you know, um leaving Las Vegas, he won the he wins the Oscar, and mostly he's in dramatic stuff um throughout the '90s and into the early 2000s, and. Mm-hmm i felt like this was a return to form for him because i think he was kind of slumming it a little bit and yeah i don't know i don't know his biography well enough to say what's going on in his personal life at this time but it didn't seem to like about didn't seem to bounce him back into the mainstream as much as i thought it might based on i think this is a pretty solid performance from him so
2: Mm -hmm. yeah um kind of an odd choice too for the uh writer and director for andrew nichol you know, who had done things like Gattaca and Simone, uh, you know, usually does more kind of science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. this is kind of an odd departure for, for his kind of, uh, you know, his previous, previous works.
1: Yeah. I, I'm guessing it's because of, it, it, I think you kind of have to think about when what's going on in the world, when this, you know, came around as well, mm-hmm. We're 2005 so we're four years post 9-11 in the middle of the wars in the middle east active u.s military conflict in Afghanistan uh the war in Iraq is you know two years in at this point um I think this kind of thing is on the mind of a lot of American people filmmakers there's a lot of um movies like this coming out like you mentioned Blow. I also um traffic's not the same kind of movie but there's uh i feel like that's another example of one that i had a whole list in my head and that's the only one that remained on it for some reason (laughs) but uh lots of movies that deal with kind of serious international crime and uh the way it relates to the u.s government the way it relates to international um relations and and yeah anyway uh, big crime movies i would i would say but
2: yeah, but this especially has the the feature where you've got Nicolas Cage narrating the film. You know, it's it's also I guess like yeah. Wolf of Wall Street, you know, but for blue collar or for sorry, for white collar crime, right? Um, yep. you know, it is the same but, thing when you've got the the overarching the overarching narrator as the lead and yeah, giving you, you know. a protagonist
1: that is definitely the morally questionable and is kind of perhaps the villain of the piece once you really look <laughs> look at it Yeah. And, uh yeah um but the, yeah that's why i think i i, I agree with you 100 about it being similar to goodfellas in that same way because like i mean ray Liotta's character in that movie you have exactly the same thing he's your way into to you know organized crime in that movie and he's your narrator and turns out like he may not be may not have been that great of a guy the whole time you know so yeah
2: um yeah well this one definitely doesn't paint him as a good guy i mean it, it even ends you know not to spoil it right away but you know it even ends with him still not being there's no redemption here there is no arc, and and i think
1: it 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 definitely puts the 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 nails in the coffin towards the end about it and maybe we should go in order but like it it definitely leaves you with that feeling if you ever had any question throughout this or you tried to relate to him which i think andrew nichols script is a great job of getting you there mm -hmm. like you you, i think you want to try to relate to him at some points in this movie and and, and every time you do he'll throw you something else that like no you you, you really can't like this this character is not really redeemable because yeah. of this and then he'll show you and, and finally when you get to the end with you know his brother anyway we should probably start yeah. from the beginning narratively but that's a...
2: yeah so it opens up in the early 80s where um nicholas cage plays uh yuri Olaf. So it's a yeah. family of Ukrainian refugees, and they're living in Brighton Beach. Um, and he gets into selling, is it Kalashnikovs right away? Yeah, I think it's AKs, yep, right away. Or Uzis, I think he's Uzis is what it was. Yeah, he sells Oh, you're right, because he's, he's got and the that's instruction his first, book. Like, like, that's, the... that's right, he's reading the instruction <laughs> book in the hotel. He's like, yeah. doing the CD, okay, I'm here to do a, a gun deal. And he's in the hotel, the guys look in, and he's trying to do a big sale of it. And they're just like, take the money and they leave
0: <laughs>
2: with the gun. It's like, there's no discussion. Um, but yeah, it, so they focus on, you know, it's like a big deal for that. Is like your first gun sale. Uh, yeah. And I think the early part of this movie kind of phrases
1: or sets itself up to be. Uh, or I don't, I'm not sure the script ever wants you to believe that it's about like a self-made man or it's a kind of capitalist story or um of you know a a ukrainian son of ukrainian refugees finding himself and like kind of making a fortune kind of thing but it it gives you the pieces to kind of set set up that way uh and then it breaks that mold down i think throughout the rest of the movie Um, yeah it kind of shows you the um the, the, the darker side of that but yeah so i think that the first portion of the film really has that kind of like you know striking out getting lucky making his fortune kind of uh thing and it's a it's a little more lighthearted at the beginning so
2: yeah even when he's just starting to get successful enough where he um uh, you know ends up meeting his wife right I'm, I'm trying to remember her name um yeah uh bridget is it Bridget Monaghan's character. Yeah, Bridget Monaghan's character. Ava. Ava. Yep. Ava Fontaine. Yeah. So she's a model from the same Ukrainian village that he was from. And he's always been infatuated with her. And what is it? He rents out the entire hotel. He arranges a fake photo shoot. You, like today yep. it's pretty cringy. He like he told her for him. a fake photo yeah.
1: shoot and, oh yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty creepy. But I given what we learn about Yuri's character throughout the movie, it's not really that out of character for him. I mean he's true. He's a control freak. He's a, you know, he'll sell he'll sell every last person or thing out from underneath himself. Like, I mean, it, it, that's where you know, yeah, that's kind of where it goes. Um, he's also in uh, in business with, or his first business partner is his younger brother Vitali, played by Jared Leto, in mm-hmm. this movie. Um, which. <laughs> amazingly jared leto doesn't seem to have aged hardly at all so no you know, past food it's kind of creepy but <laughs> i i
2: how do you feel i call about... him a
1: vampire but i don't want to give him any credit for the morbius movie
2: but how, how do you feel about okay you know he's he's been really great in some films uh yeah jared leto how do you feel he is in this
1: he's okay he's kind of a weak link in this movie but yeah, yeah. i agree He's 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 absolutely fantastic in some things and in other things he just kind of i don't know i i he's one of those people that like i either am all in with and he's great in something or he's just kind of like a pretty face sometimes <laughs> In like other things like i don't know i think he's miscast sometimes like
2: yeah but. in this one i i felt like early on there were some really odd moments in the script that i felt more critical of now than i probably would have been when i first saw this in 2005 yeah. But there's a, a line when oh what yeah what is his brother's name uh, Vitali Vitali yeah is lamenting about like oh I've, what I wouldn't give for some some cabbage it was up there with the uh, X-Men storm line you know what happens when a toad gets struck by lightning. It was just a weird line that felt really poorly written and I don't know it just kind of oh, it's like an odd chord got struck on the screen for a moment
1: yeah no i i agree and i'm not sure how much of it's the script and how much of it is the character's a little underserved anyway especially when you take into account what they're gonna how how it's gonna end up with the character like he disappears for half the movie so yeah um the Vitali has problems um and i think they insinuate that it's very trauma related he's got a little bit of a problem uh alcohol problem going into this but after witnessing some of the events in their early um they witnessed an assassination of uh, enemy combatants of some sort but a lot of our yeah. child soldiers in, in the middle east and one of their gun deals after seeing that he kind of falls off the deep end and um <laughs> he runs away with uh, a bunch of their uh they were paid in cocaine for one of the the gun deals and he runs off with the, all the drugs and um after that he's kind of a, a loose cannon throughout the rest of the film um but they also kind of make his character disappear for quite a while and then he pops back in at the end but yeah um but yeah no i think uh jared Leto's serviceable and fine but not memorable i actually didn't remember he was in this that's how much uh i didn't this yeah character really i really wasn't like Uh, when i when i saw his name i'm like oh yeah i do kind of remember him being in this but then once i saw it i was like oh i remember why i forgot like he's just yeah he's just there
2: yeah it's it's not one of his best roles but no and overall nicholas cage is is really quite good in this like his performance is pretty consistent um yeah
1: i think he's he's very good in this believable and and kind of kind of chilling at times almost because his his like logic and his conviction to taking himself as a serious businessman and he's he's very when i say his conviction is i mean he is um he is 100 percent sold on the idea that he is not the bad guy in this situation hmm. he's just playing the middle man he's just being a capitalist you know he's just uh finding opportunity in the market and um manipulating it um which you know, it's. I think him constantly repeating that as a mantra is one of the things that the the filmmakers are are certainly uh, wanting you to pick up on. So uh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. There's there's a few moments where they they kind of show this characterization in kind of a, a humorous way. The towards the end with uh, the Interpol agent uh, Jack Valentine that is kind of stalking him. If there's any. If they make anybody try to be some kind of a, of a, you know, antagonist, it's it's going to be the Interpol agent, uh, who's played yeah. by uh, Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke, yeah,
1: underused yeah. in this movie. Yeah, Ethan Hawke's incredible, uh, essentially incredible in almost everything he's in. But I feel like he could have used some more screen time here.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean up this,
1: the, this antagonistic relationship a little more. But yeah,
2: yeah, what they showed was great. I mean yeah. any any of the interactions that they had on screen together were were really good. They have surprising chemistry. I don't think have they worked on anything else? Good question.
1: Uh nothing, nothing that like springs to mind. Yeah. Um But yeah, they 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 were great. Their their scenes uh as, you know, put pitting them against each other uh they're fantastic together and like I said, I can't say enough good things about Ethan Hawke. He's one of my favorite actors he's one of those that kind of like came out of like i'd always seen him in things and i just like after amount of time like i I really always enjoy him and stuff and now i finally realized like he's he's essentially brilliant and everything (laughs) so (laughs) yeah uh,
2: yeah because he was just in uh, that moon knight series in marvel um yeah he's having a little bit of a resurgence again Uh, yeah the um
1: what's it called the black phone
2: yeah, and he uh, was in the black phone movie. which is very yeah, good in that as well. Is... So, yeah. It was nice kind of seeing a, a revisit to his career kind of during this period of time. Um, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, that's a, definitely an underused character. Um I was trying to think oh, there's also the uh his rival gun dealer or arms dealer. Um played he, yeah. Played Ian by Holm. Ian Holm, yeah. Um, um, is it Simon? Is Simon? S- Simeon? Is this Simeon? It Simeon Simeon Weiss? Yeah. yeah. Apparently, based yeah this, also based on a real life arms dealer. Yeah, another one who was the Merchant of Death. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I can't. I don't know if he really name. met. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know if he really met his end the way that the the character does in the movie. At the head of an african
2: warlord but um yeah um yeah not i don't think so um no and i just i just looked it up no he was not um <laughs> but that's also uh, another underused character uh they could have used a few more scenes that could have kind of built up that tense relationship a little bit more i thought
1: um, yeah I feel like if I'm good, you know, and I well, I suppose I should say this to the end, but like one of my major criticisms of this movie is that it seems a little bit like, it seems a little all over the place at times is jumping from one thing to the next. And and they have these really strong pieces that they could have developed more. And that is the, the, the Jack Valentine, um, Yuri Urlov, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, cat and mouse kind of detective story. Uh, and then, yeah, his, his competition with with the Simeon weiss character i think could have been built up a little more they have him in that early scene where he snubs him at that at this the first major Mm -hmm. like arms thing they go to or yeah um, i want to call it a convention but like the expo legal arms expo yeah um and then he just kind of like pops up every now and then and then the scene where he dies is a very like pivotal moment for yuri's character but i'm not sure they've done the cert i'm not sure they they've developed their relationship enough to really even if it was an antagonistic relationship where they were supposed to really hate one another i'm not sure they've done it justice to the point where you feel the rage or whatever yuri's feeling in that scene so yeah
2: yeah and while these are based on real people who knows what their relationships if they were really like that or not um so mean, it's it's a fictionalized version they're
1: based on real people right the the narrative here is fictionalized certainly it's based on things similar to real events i i would assume um yeah especially the situation in liberia where where i feel i feel like there's a, a point in the middle of this where yuri orlov's character starts to get in over his head without realizing it he thinks he's very much in control of situations um and he's pretty good at controlling situations that uh, but things start to spin out of control when he starts to get involved with um, it, well, the Liberian situation, but the African warlords. We start to play yeah. Africa as a, yeah, and um, yeah. Um, the character Iman Walker of Andres plays Andres,
2: Andre, yeah, yeah. Baptiste. Andre Baptiste, Whew. yeah, uh, and yeah, based actually the, very accurately on Charles Taylor, who was the president of Liberia, yeah,
1: and is kind of a terrifying character in... in away like um yeah i i i he i feel like they do a good job of making him uh not a stereotype in any way like and i know he's based on a real person that real person Mm -hmm. really was american educated and um you know saw himself as some kind of a savior of i don't know whatever but anyway ended up basically killing half of the population (laughs) Of his country and,
2: um, yeah. Yeah, horrible war crimes. Yeah. Um, and his son, uh, you know, in, in this one who is, you know, uh, Sammy Rotibi who plays Andre Baptiste Jr. is also based on Charles Taylor's son, Chucky. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's 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 definitely a mirror, um, you know, to, to the real people and their behaviors. And it was, these were, they're based on anecdotes or actual behaviors uh, of these two people and, and what they were doing to the, the people of liberia at the time uh, which yeah. is kind of scary because it's also used somewhat as the dark comic relief in a way but i think they do such a good job of of
1: portraying that it, it and i don't know enough about the actual situation to to say it was really like this but portraying this kind of like chaos of um, that anything yeah. could happen at any point and in the case of the character that we're following so yuri orlov comes into this situation i think this is where you start to really feel and it's very effective that he no longer has control of mm-hmm. the situation like there's danger here like um and yeah i don't know i think it's very effective that's some of my favorite stuff in the movie it, and it's 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 just frankly kind of scary and yeah <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, especially when you've got... And and how, how quick he is to respond um, to to learning that. You know, he's still kind of being slick when uh, Baptiste shoots one of his guards right <laughs> in the head in front of him with the gun that he's looking at. And, um, you know, Yuri jumps back and screams, but then quickly recovers. Like, oh, well, now you have to buy the gun because it's been used. You know, this was just the yeah. mob you are supposed to look at. You weren't supposed to, you know actual fire it and so diverts that (laughs) tension um that's a great scene (laughs) yeah yeah because he literally screams no like yeah no or
1: something like that and then uh and he's like now you're gonna have to buy that gun (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's really well done and i think those are the moments like Nicolas cage and people have very divisive opinions upon uh, about him as an actor i think and uh but I think that's proof of his, uh, ability to kind of handle a scene like that. I don't know. Just, he's incredibly good at moments in this movie. Not everything in this movie is perfect, but I think he's, he's a solid, Mm -hmm. solid lead actor that kind of, uh, ties this whole thing together. I think without, without his performance here, and he, he also co-produced the film. So it's obviously Mm -hmm. something he was interested in doing. Um, uh, apparently the the dvd originally and i don't know if this is on your copy of it i didn't look on the library one i have but supposedly there's a psa that Nicolas cage did about gun guns yeah something i, I watched
2: there, it but... yeah i actually watched <laughs> this one on hbo this time so but yeah i'm pretty sure my dvd copy does have um yeah. that psa I, I remember it vaguely um would yeah. it be a good one to, to throw up on 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 the the Facebook page and the Instagram yeah. page, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's on, the on the YouTube. But yeah, yeah, oh yeah, um, but, um, but yeah, and yeah, it was something I think that this movie does a pretty good job of not glorifying what this kind of lifestyle is like. It shows that yeah, it can be tempting to the certain type of mind, but and the certain kind of personality. But they also show that that's not a very good personality. <laughs> yeah so it 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 definitely doesn't truly glorify and and like any movie that's about
1: something that kind of like somebody who thinks they have control of something but then spirals out of control Mm -hmm. uh snowballs um i i think it's it's a cautionary tale about you know uh about i think it'd be too simplistic to say it's a cautionary tale about like a no holds barred capitalism, but I think that's kind of what it's saying, is like you, you can't um you can never play the middle on something like this, like uh Simeon Weiss in this care Ian Holmes character, the initial like disagreement that they have about things is is Yuri Orlov in- insists that he is neutral. Like he's he's just mm-hmm. making money. He's being a good capitalist. He's he's found he's found the market and he's exploiting that. And Ian Holmes' uh, characters always tell you, like, "No, you have to take sides. Like, you you have to pick the winners." And I think that's kind of the central. They don't always do it. They don't always do it justice, but that's kind of the central discussion this movie's having. It's about, mm-hmm. you know, how how do we see? Like, is is it okay to play the middle on something like that? Is can you ever be? Can your hands ever be clean? in a situation where you are selling the instruments of death to people, or you're just a businessman or whatever, but, you know. Um, sorry, I'm not articulating that well, but hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> like, it's a-
2: well, I think it also shows that if you really do maintain a neutrality on, on things like this, you kind of end up being a little sociopathic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because even, even the way he the way he is with his family and this, like they, they there's no like instinctive like paternal instinct i guess for lack of a better phrase um there's there's nothing like that you really don't get any vibe in this film that he really gives a damn about his family at all it's all just yeah. making money and his staying on the go
1: it's it's all a challenge i don't even know if it's about about the money except as a way to measure his success like mm-hmm. it's a you know he wants to push it that much further he wants to be you know the guy that's the the main supplier, the top person, um, and yeah, his family is never anything more than another trophy to him. I don't think, but
2: mm-hmm. yeah. So, well, and, and when kind of ends up getting arrested, and and Ethan Hawke's mm-hmm. character is, is grilling him like, "No, we have evidence on you," and he still gets out of it. Um, you know, that's I feel like the the Interpol kind of UN. Groups in this are are shown pretty accurately as good ideas, but unfortunately, they don't have a lot of teeth because they really are stuck to to all of you know these restrictions and limitations on you know, what they actually can do. Yeah. So, it it's a frustrating thing. You like Ethan Hawke's character, for example, but you also get that there's really nothing he can do because of the the bureaucracies of it. Not that I'm know exactly what they should do, but I right you know things aren't always handled the best. Yeah. So... It shows the the holes in that system, too.
1: Yeah, and I I think, as we mentioned, kind of Yuri's character keeps spiraling because he keeps getting himself deeper and deeper into not only dangerous situations, but situations where he's um, kind of uh, indebted to people, especially, you know, the African warlord, Andre Baptiste, and uh, he... um, decides to talk his younger brother back into the business uh, because he is coming out of his, like, very temporary retirement because he's being watched by Valentine and yeah. um, tells his wife he's going to, you know, go legit. And it looks like he kind of gives it a shot for a little while, um, but then ends up, you know, landing a major major deal that uh, they're going to pay him. Yeah, you know, the the president of Liberia is going to pay him double. I don't I don't even remember what the terms were, but he's going to make this big score on this giant deal, so he gets back in, brings Vitali along with him, and Vitali. The long story short, uh, yeah, we we usually don't throw out spoiler warnings, but if you haven't seen this one, I definitely yeah. watch it before. Yeah, um, but yeah, Vitali ends up, uh, well, I, attempting to to change the terms of the deal based on the fact that they're going to... They're literally buying weapons so that they can wipe out a camp of, you know, um, refugees or... They're definitely not enemy combatants, but, like, yeah. Anyway, it's... Mm-hmm. Um, when, he, when Vitaly figures out what's going on, he decides that uh, he's going to act against... Shut the deal down. When uh, that doesn't go well, he decides he's going to blow up the truck of weapons with a grenade. <laughs> Does so and uh is is promptly assassinated by the uh, yeah yeah guards or something mm-hmm. uh, and the moments following that happening i think is when you realize who yuri orlov really is or at least who he's become at this point of the film and that is you know somebody who is just literally sacrificed his uh his own brother to mm-hmm. to the trade and still just keeps playing that character. Whoever whoever he is when he's, you know, your Orlov arms dealer. <laughs> and you could say it's self preservation. Obviously if he decides that he's going to fight back, he ends up in the same place, I guess. But Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, it... I, I, I I think that's like the icing on the cake when you see the way he deals with his family at the end and the way he deals with his, his, I guess his brother is his family as well. But, yeah, that there's nothing left.
2: He's, he's... Yeah. When, when the whole thing goes down uh, with Jared Leto's character and everything gets blown up, uh, Baptiste Jr. gets killed as well. Mm. And you kind of see that both of them don't really care the fact that they've just lost these loved ones together. It shows like an equal heartlessness. Yeah. So one thing I do really like about kind of how this film wraps up, too, is that it it makes it very clear that that at no point are they trying to glorify this way of life. Right. Um, Which sometimes happens, you know, like when we were making the comparisons to Goodfellas. It definitely glorifies, you know, this kind of living. Um, But this one makes it very clear right off the bat that this guy's pretty morally reprehensible. I think by the end you definitely
1: understand that. I I do think there's points when they... It's a little hard. Just there's points when it, the script doesn't do it perfectly because I think there are um, parts of this movie where you do start to find Yuri Orlov to be relatable or maybe a little too relatable. Um, they get there by the end. They 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 kick it in by the end, and and he's just reprehensible. I mean, to the point mm-hmm. like even after everything that has happened to him, he's lost his brother his his parents his family um he still sits in that interrogation room and just kind of smugly brags his way through the interrogation and and honestly does not seem like i he i mean he mentions like oh i've lost my family and all this stuff like um but yeah he's just he's just kind of playing playing the part whatever it is that he does you know to uh, and and I don't I don't think by the end of the movie that this is somebody who's first of all going to stop what they're doing. Second of all, has learned a lesson from their loss. No, there's no arc whatsoever. so. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's just back back into it. And um, so yeah, I, I think by the end they, they they do that well. But I do think that one of the one of the things that they could have done a little bit better about is is not making him. I don't know there's some there's some great dialogue and there's some great uh, narration where he is uh, some good lines and stuff like that but they do I think make him a little bit too relatable at points
2: yeah and I think that's maybe just to kind of demonstrate an attempt to try to live some form of a legitimate lifestyle but in most cases it's just kind of a cover or it's about just you know obtaining like I want her but there there doesn't seem to be a lot of you know connection there so, like I said, like before, like a bit sociopathic. Um, yeah. And I was also, this was a thing I, I looked up before, but, um, he, what well, I don't think that the guy that he's loosely based on or somewhat based on Victor Bout, who was just released, I don't think he was. And I could be wrong on this. He, I don't think he was imprisoned when this was made
1: i do know he was I think I mean, he,
2: obviously he was in prison because we let him
1: out but i i feel like it was no he was still he was still out out and about he was arrested in 2008
2: yeah so so that's kind of disturbing yeah <laughs> so they definitely stayed window. after him
1: yeah. like if the, you know if any of this is actually biographical but
2: yeah
1: wow yeah. that's
2: kind of crazy though so yeah so uh,
1: for all we know he went and saw this movie
2: in a movie theater at some point like (laughs) yeah and probably critiqued it yeah Uh, well do you have any uh final thoughts on a grade for lord of war um yeah lord of war
1: is i feel like on the surface this is a pretty good movie like uh for a drama it's uh it's pretty well realized, and I think it makes its point pretty effectively. Um, it hasn't aged perfectly, and it's got some weak links, so it's it's probably not like a you know going to be an A plus for me. But I liked revisiting it because it's I think it's aged fairly well, and maybe maybe it actually has a bit stronger of a message than it did even in two thousand five. Like I feel like. I feel like now that we can look at this era in, in of history in hindsight a little bit, it's um, kind of strengthens some of the things that the filmmakers had to say. Mm-hmm. It's well acted for the most part. I think it's uh, Nicholas Cage gives a heck of a performance in this movie, and it, like I said, it should this should have been this should have been Cage resurgence. You know, not Cage Nicholas Cage has certainly had a resurgence uh, in in the last five years or so um but this probably should have been his uh his path back into the a-list but um did not seem to go that way but it's um yeah i don't know if i have any like final thoughts necessarily the they do in my opinion they don't do a perfect job of always being consistent with this character arc or as you said the kind of lack of an arc but um They, at times, I think, try to make him seem kind of cool, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I don't know, and maybe that's part of the illusion that they they build in the first half of the film. Then just to break it down, because I think they do effectively break it down by the end of it. You see what an empty kind of, um, what an empty like kind of shell his philosophy and his way of life has kind of left him as a person. But yeah, I don't know. it's not a perfect movie, but I think if I have to give it a grade, it's probably going to land in the B range, because I, I think it's I think it's a good watch. I think it's got a good a lot of good things going on, uh, a lot of good performance, and um, yeah, I don't know. That was a pretty scattershot review, but <laughs> I think I said most of what I had to say about it while we were talking, but...
2: Yeah. No, I I, I think just to kind of sum up my, my views on it, it's... I was really impressed with it when it first came out. And then I watched it a few times or more than a few times and then didn't see it again until a few days ago. Um, and so, yeah, from when it first came out, maybe a year after, so 2006 or seven, and then really not watching it again until 2023. It's still a problem. Like the, the issues that this movie is pointing out, this could have been made today because it's still Mm -hmm. a, a, a huge issue. Um, and I found that it was—it's good, but it's not as good as I remember it from, like, a technical perspective. Uh, yeah. The dialogue's a little clunkier. There's a little—you know—it's not very subtle in any points. And you know, it does, does the whole like the main character narrating the film—we'd already seen things like you know, Blow and Goodfellas, and a number of other films uh, that kind of do that. So it—it it was. Like I said, it's another entry into this little subgenre of crime, true crime films, and I don't know. It, it, if to me, I feel like I could just see the seams a little bit too much. Like at this point, this subgenre had become formulaic, and so yeah. it kind of checks all the boxes as you go through it. Um, but it's done well. So kind of like how there's a whole bunch of different kind of slasher films that emulate each other and yeah they're all equally good this is kind of for that subgenre of true crime stuff um so it's not perfect but it's it's pretty good overall and so i'm gonna go with a b as well um worth seeing once
1: <laughs> yeah
2: but yeah if you haven't seen lord of
1: war i definitely well now we spoiled it for you but if you haven't seen yeah. lord of war i think it's definitely worth watching uh it's it's one of the better nick cage lead roles i think like he's 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 very good in this movie and it's uh it's a very it's an engrossing character i mean i think you 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 do you go on a ride with it and i think yeah eventually end up in the right place with uh how you feel about
2: (laughs) yuri right but uh we would also love to know what any of our listeners think of lord of war uh have you seen this one before is this um how did it rate when you first saw it compared to now? If you're revisiting it, and we would love to hear any of those questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms directed to the Video Junkier Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Video Junk Pod and on the Video Junkier Podcast Facebook and Instagram feeds. Uh, if you write it, we'll read it, and we look forward to hearing from you. And if you want to help us make more of these podcasts, we
1: do have a Patreon page if you'd like to become part of the Patreon family uh for a small donation got any money um you can help us pick the movies that we talk about on the show and uh, a couple times a year or a few times a year we uh definitely we we get some exclusive content um it's a very small donation but it does help us to keep the show going and pay for the hosting costs and etc um whether you are a member of the family oh well, by the way I should thank the members of our uh Video Junkyard Podcast family, uh, Scott Stewart and Tony Rodriguez. Thank you guys for hanging in there with us. Um, if you want to be able to, you know, get in there and vote for uh, what gets on the show, you can join up uh, Patreon.com/slash Video Junkyard Podcast. And uh, coming up on the show, we have uh, next week. We're gonna be looking at the '80s Disney sci-fi movie uh, Flight of the Navigator. Um, staying with the '80s sci-fi. Um, I think this goes into the realm of kind of like Star Wars ripoff, Star Wars clones. <laughs> uh, we're going to be looking at Battle Beyond the Stars, uh, Romancing the Stone, and Tremors coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, so lots of good stuff. I hope you'll come back and join us.
2: And we want to thank you once again for listening to the Video Junkier podcast. And if you've enjoyed it, which of course you did, uh, you want to share that around to any other friends and family or anybody else that you think might enjoy as well. And until next time, I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric o. Branson.
1: on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast. All one word. want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard.